Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Let me ask you this. I don't, I don't know what are some of the hardest feelings you've ever gone through in life, but can I tell you a feeling I can't stand the most? Embarrassment. I, I don't know. I, I don't like being embarrassed for me. I don't like being embarrassed for other people. Y'all ever been embarrassed for somebody else? I, I can't stand the feeling of embarrassment. So I, I want to share a story of embarrassment that happened with my wife, right? Because uh, she's not in here. So could you turn off the cameras and uh, no? Oh, you just walked in. How are you, CR? You really just walked in. It's good to see you. Love you. The end. Have a great day, church. Um, we'll see you next Sunday. <laughs> Could you step out? No, listen, uh, about a year ago, um, we were uh, right before COVID had kind of shut everything down. My, my kids were in school, and I was heading off to Nashville to preach for the day. But this was a big day because um, at their school, it was Pirate Day. Aaron had noticed on Chloe, who was a kindergartner at the time, that her school calendar said it was Pirate Day. And so Aaron, listen, she is a super mom whom I love very much. And she does, she's a super mom all the time, but when I'm out of town, man, she really has to put it on, right? And, and so she orders her, their, their outfits off of Amazon. And my two oldest daughters were the cutest, most beautiful little pirates this world has ever seen. She sent me a picture. Um, she texted me one while I was out of town. Man, she did an awesome job. They had gotten up early that morning. She got all four kids ready, got them in the van, also known as the white bus by my children. She got them in there, and they headed off to school, and they were there early, which in our home, that's a Christmas miracle. They were there early, and, and here Aaron was kissing these two cute little pirates goodbye as they headed off in the school. And Aaron, I can imagine you were just sitting there as they walked off and looking at them going, man, this is good. Well, it was time to pick the girls up. And Aaron noticed that little Chloe came running in her cute little pirate costume, and she came running to the van. And, and then she noticed our oldest daughter, Avery, who was in second grade at the time, and she was wearing clothes that we really didn't know where they came from, right? Like they were pieced together clothes from the, the second grade. And, and Aaron, as the girls got in, said, hey, guys, how was your day? Avery, why are, you, why are you not dressed up as a pirate anymore? And Avery lovingly, and as a second grader does, goes, Mom, it was Pirate's Day for kindergartners. <laughs> Listen. Avery was dressed up in full pirate gear, walked into her second grade classroom and realized that there were no other pirates. And her teacher, <laughs> Aaron, I need you to leave the room. Uh, her, teacher, her teacher quickly saw what happened and Avery looked at her teacher and said, why, why are there no other pirates? And the teacher's like, why are you dressed up like a pirate? And, and then they went and fixed it. And <laughs> listen, every time there's a theme day at their school now, Avery gets the shakes, right? She gets, she's like, we get in the truck because I take our kids to school in the morning usually. And, and we'll get in the truck and she'll go, Dad, do you promise it's superhero day? Uh, but you're good. It, she gets the shakes every time. The counseling's helping. But anyway, man, we got her through this embarrassing moment in school. Man, I hate being embarrassed. I hate being embarrassed for other people. But you know, there is a feeling that I've experienced as a believer that's far worse than even embarrassment. A feeling that hurts far deeper and far greater than even embarrassment does. You know what that is? Shame. 
shame. As we turn the corner in our series entitled Frame, what we're going to frame up today is this truth, that God alone can cover our shame. Hear me, church. God alone can cover your shame and mine. You say, well, Anthony, why are we not dealing specifically with guilt and shame? Now, listen, both of them are related, and sin leaves in its wake both guilt and shame. But here's the difference. Shame is what lingers even when we have sought and we have been granted forgiveness for our sins. We can know forgiveness for our sin, and yet if we're not careful, church, there's something that begins to linger on, and that lingering on is shame. I heard one psychologist talk about it this way. Guilt says, I have done something wrong. You know what shame says? I am wrong. Watch this. Guilt says this, I've done something bad. And you know what shame convinces us? I am bad. Psychology, secular psychology, would label shame as one of the most corrosive of all human feelings and emotions to have. Hey, but you know what, church? We don't need secular psychology to convince us of that, right? We know that to be true. That shame at its very heart is corrosive in the heart and the life of the believer. And here's what we know of shame. That it often tries to convince us, you ready? That you've messed up too much. That we've done something too bad. That our offense is outside of the ability for God to forgive and to restore us. Shame whispers in our ear, you ready? God's done with you. You, you can never be loved or looked at the same again by God or by anyone else, for that matter. Now, now listen to me. Both guilt and shame play their part and can be effective when they lead us to God by faith. But here's what I want us to understand. Shame that is lingering, that is long-lasting, can be destructive and it can draw us away from God, especially the believer. Because here's what we understand about our sin, that God has forgiven us of our sin through Christ. And yet still, don't we? At times we struggle with shame. Here's what Paul would write in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. He would say this, that there's a godly sorrow that brings repentance, that leads to salvation. I love this. That leads to no regret. But then he writes, but there's a worldly sorrow that brings death. You know what's amazing? That when you and I take our shame and we turn to Jesus with our shame, it leads to salvation. That leads to no regret. You know what that means? That leads to no guilt and no shame. No lingering and long-lasting side effects of sin. But here's the problem. When you and I have shame and we don't turn to Jesus, that shame can destroy us. I don't have to spend a whole lot of time convincing you of that. We all know that to be, to be true. But what is God's desire? 
What is God's heartbeat for you and I? You ready? It's not for us to live in shame, but to experience His grace and salvation, which frees us from shame. Think of this. Before sin entered the picture in Genesis, the world was shame-free. And you know what? God desires for us in Christ, for you and I to live, to live in a place where you and I are shame free. So we ask the question, where does shame come from? Well, shame we know comes from past sin or mistakes or failures in our lives. Hey, shame could come and stem from sin that we are struggling and wrestling with right now. But we also know that shame sometimes comes, and perhaps this is the most tragic of all, that shame sometimes comes from something that happens to us not something caused by us. I bet you there's a lot of folks in the room today who are dealing with shame that really you had nothing to do with. And yet you carry it around. And it's weighing you down. It's tearing you up on the inside. Yeah, I read, ran across a story Chuck Colson shared of a little boy. It was 1977 in New York City, and there was a great blackout in the entire city. There was no electricity to be found. And as darkness engulfed the city, it seemed to engulf this little boy as well. He became exceedingly fearful and exceedingly ashamed, so much so it caught the attention of his mom and dad. And so in the middle of the darkness of the city, they sat their little boy down and said, Son, you got to tell us what's going on. Why are you so afraid? Why, why are you so ashamed? And, and you know what that little boy began to tell him? As he was walking down the road earlier that day, he had saw an electric pole there on the side, and he went up and he kicked it. And amazingly enough, it was at that point that the great blackout of 1977 in New York City happened. And so that little boy had carried the burden with him all day that he was the cause of it, he was to blame, and that he would be punished for it. And man, of course his parents are like, buddy, you you didn't cause it. You don't have to carry it. But you know what? Sometimes like that little boy, we didn't cause it, but we carry it. We carry the shame. And so no matter the source of our shame, church, no matter where it comes from, understand this of God's desire and God's will for your life and mine, and that is that He alone can deal a fatal and a final blow to our shame here today. To our shame. And we see this beginnings, the beginnings of this fatal and final blow to shame early in the garden. So if you have your Bibles, let's go to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, and let me set up this passage real quick. Adam and Eve have eaten from the tree God told them not to. We've been there a couple times already. They have committed treason, rebellion against God. They've done what God told them not to. Death has entered the picture. And what's amazing is that in the garden account, we find that not only do Adam and Eve have their first taste of sin, but they experience the first side effects of sin. And one of those being 
shame. And they really just don't know what to do with the shame. Now listen, this sin that they've taken part in has now corrupted their hearts. It has corroded their minds. And it has condemned their souls. And here's what we see in verse 7. The Bible says then, meaning after they ate from the fruit, the eyes of both of them were open. They realized they were naked. So they took fig leaves and they began to sew them together to make coverings for themselves. Look at their response. Not only were their eyes open, meaning this, that up until this point they were oblivious to evil. Not only did their sin make them aware that they were naked, but for the first time, not only did they experience guilt for their sin, but they felt shame in their sin. And their initial response to shame was to do this, you ready? To hide. To cover up their shame behind fig leaves. By sewing fig leaves together. You know what's amazing to me? For the first time in history, humanity sowed. Not as a hobby, but as a way to hide something from God. And what was that something? What were they hiding? Their shame. They were hiding their shame from Him. And in fact, we see this played out. That just like Adam and Eve, you and I are pretty bad at hiding our shame as well. Listen, they created anything but durable and an anything but comfortable clothing line made out of fig leaves. And you know what the truth is? Hey guys, we've been sowing ever since. We've been hiding ever since. That's what by nature you and I do with our sin. And can I tell you the biggest problem Adam and Eve had outside of their rebellion and their treason against God and eating from that tree? Can I tell you their second biggest problem? Is that they were trying to hide their shame in the wrong places. They were trying to hide their shame behind some fig leaves. Look what it says here in verse number 8 in Genesis chapter 3. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from him. They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the God called to them. He called to man and said, where are you? Now, this is not a lapse in God's sovereignty. God didn't just happen to lose Adam and Eve. God knew exactly where they were. Yet the first time in all of history, we see man is playing hide-and-go-seek with God. Around my house... We love hide-and-go-seek. Sometimes I'll come home, and I'll drop my bag, my keys, and I'll just start doing this. One, two, and my kids will start screaming. They'll start running. And we've been doing this for years now. And so you know what's amazing about my kids? They go to the same hiding place first every time. Avery goes into our bathroom underneath my sink. Chloe goes to her mom's closet and buries herself between thousands of clothes and articles of clothing. Uh, Sadie always goes behind the couch. Bennett, who's two years old, my little boy, my favorite hiding spot is his. You know what he does? He stands in the middle of the room and he closes his eyes. <laughs> and he thinks he's invisible. But you know what I do every day? 
Avery, where are you? Chloe, where are you? Sadie, Bennett, where are you? And I take my time and I check every place I know they're not. And finally, I find them. Well, just as much as I know where they're hiding, God knows exactly where Adam and Eve are hiding. But he wants to make sure they know where they are in relation to him. And for the first time, the side effect of their sin, their shame, has sent them into hiding. Hey, can I just remind you something about God? Man, I would play hide-and-go-seek with anybody probably but God. He's like the champion of the universe. You can't ever win that game. David would know this. King David knew a lot of what shame was all about. Man, it riddled his life. In fact, he would, he would make this statement in Psalm 139, verse 7, as he cries out to the Lord, Hey, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence, God? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I hide under the sink, you're there. If I hide in the closet, you're there. If I tried to hide my shame behind fig leaves, you're there. And what's amazing is, is we know that God is really good at finding us and that we're never really hidden from Him, and yet we try to hide our shame anyway. We try to hide anyway. In fact, I love this article I read this week from John Bloom. And he's talking about how we hide in our shame. And you know what he says? Hey, guys, we, we, don't, need, we don't need fig leaves anymore. We don't need gardens to hide in anymore. Here's what he writes. We hide in our homes or away from our homes. We hide in our rooms and our offices. We hide in our housework, yard work, and garage puttering. We hide behind computers and phones and devices. We hide behind earphones and Netflix and ESPN. We, behind fashion, we hide behind fashion facades, education facades, career facades, Facebook facades, and pulpit facades. We hide in busyness and procrastination. We hide in outright lies or diversionary conversation. We hide behind grumpiness. We hide behind humor. We hide behind bravado and shyness. We hide in extroversion. And we hide in introversion. What's amazing is that Adam and Eve's shame sent them into hiding. And you know what shame still does today? It sends you and I into hiding. But here's the problem with Adam and Eve in their shame. We are reminded again in verse 8 that they're, they're trying to hide their shame in all the wrong places. First, it was behind fig leaves. But in verse 8, you know what we find them doing? We find them hiding in the garden. They're hiding in all the wrong places. And can I tell you what I know of Scripture and the truth of God's Word and what we're going to see played out in Adam and Eve's life? You cannot hide from God. You cannot hide your shame from Him forever. Look what the Bible says here in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. That the Lord God made garments of skin... For Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. On to verse 22. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. 
He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and to take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So verse 23, so the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden. Guys, this seems a little harsh, doesn't it? Here we see Adam and Eve no longer have a place to hide. We see here the judgment of God against the sin of Adam and Eve, whose side effect, among other things, is shame. And now their sin has separated them from God and has shunned them from the garden and shuttered them from the tree of life. And you know what's amazing to me? That right alongside of God's judgment against sin, we get again a glimpse of God's salvation and His grace. Think of what God does here. Ultimately, by shutting them out of the garden, He cuts them off from the tree of life because He says if they eat from it, they'll live forever. Here's the problem with eating from that tree. Adam and Eve have sinned against God, and therefore they have doomed themselves to a life that is filled with sinfulness, shame, and guilt cycle in and cycle out. And what's amazing is if they were allowed to eat from that tree, they would live forever in that state, forever in that cycle. And surely to God there was a better way. And in fact, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, he begins to let us in on that better way. For you see, God wanted us to live forever, but not from a tree of life in the garden, but in a far different tree at Golgotha that took the form of a cross. A tree that, once we partook in it through faith, a tree that would allow us to live forever without the curse of sin, without shame, and without guilt. And that is the very hope that we find in faith in Jesus Christ. And that is the very hope that Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 had pointed to, that you and I wouldn't live forever by eating from the tree of life in the garden, but that you and I would live forever by faith through a tree at Golgotha upon which Jesus died, taking upon himself our very sin, our guilt, and our shame forever. I want to share with you one of my favorite verses outside of the Jesus verse, in chapter 3 of Genesis. Did you catch it? I read it just a moment ago. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. Every time I read that, it chokes me up. You know what I begin to think? When God could have leveled them because of their sin and rebellion, he loved them. When God could have consumed them, in their sin and their treason, he cared for them. When God could have abandoned them in their guilt, he made atonement, he made amends from them. And when God could have destroyed them in their shame, he dressed them. He made skins for them. You know what that means? That for the first time, blood was shed to cover the sin and the shame of man. But hear me, church, it would not be the last time. Blood was shed to cover our sin and shame. 
Blood was shed throughout the entirety of the Old Testament and served as a reminder of the high price of our sin and that without the shedding of blood, men's sin could not be forgiven. His shame could not be covered. It wouldn't be the last time that God had to shed blood for our shame to be covered. For we go back to that not the tree of life in the garden, but the, a different tree in, at Golgotha where his own son was shed his blood and forever cover our sin. I ordered some of these off of Amazon. Y'all know what these are? This is like a little a Petri dish. right? You, you could put something like bacteria in this. You could add some ingredients to it through this dropper. And you can watch that bacteria grow. I saw this the other day, like a little three-year-old boy put his handprint in a, a larger Petri dish. Like within days, it was the nastiest thing you'd ever seen. Moral of the story, don't, don't hang out with kids. Anyway, it was, just, it was gross. And you know what I got to thinking? When you and I take our shame, and if we were to put it right here in the middle of this Petri dish this morning, and we were to add the ingredients of secrecy, of silence, and of solitude, you know what we would watch our shame do? It would grow like wildfire. It would grow outside of this Petri dish, and it would continue to grow. But if we were to take that same amount of shame of ours and, and put it in this Petri dish... And we were to add these ingredients, grace and forgiveness. We were to add light. You know what's amazing about our shame? It couldn't survive in here. Not only could it not grow, but it could not survive. I want you to hear me. The good news of the gospel today is that God is busy at work, working his grace into our guilt and working his salvation into our shame. Let me teach you something about shame this morning. You ready? Your shame and mine does not die in secrecy. It doesn't die in silence, and it doesn't die in suffering alone. Shame dies, number one. When there's a safe place to share our story. You've got to find a safe place to share your story. Hey, can I remind you that the church ought to be the safest place on the planet for us to share our story and to find support in the shame that we're wrestling with. Shame dies when we share our story in safe places. Hey, shame dies when we bring it out of the darkness and bring it into his light. And you know what else about shame? Shame cannot survive when it is doused. When it comes in contact with God's grace. And so the question this morning, in this conversation of shame, is how is it that we deal our shame a fatal and a final blow? And there's one simple solution. You ready, church? We have 
to stop hiding our shame in all the wrong places. We must stop hiding our shame in all the wrong places. For Adam and Eve, they tried to hide it behind fig leaves, the trees of the garden, and they fell miserably. The truth is, as believers, we stop trying to hide our shame in the wrong places, and we start hiding our shame in the right person. In the right person. If you're going to hide your shame anywhere, in hopes of dealing it a fatal and a final blow, hide your shame in Jesus. The author of Hebrews would point us to him in Hebrews 12, 2. And we're to look to Jesus, the founder, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, watch this church, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And the question goes, then what does Jesus know about shame? Everything. He has known all of our shame. Because all of it was on him. Not to mention the shame that was forcefully applied onto him as he was being crucified. The shame that was forced on him as soldiers spit on Jesus in Matthew chapter 26. As they continually struck him in the face and in the head in Mark chapter 14 as they stripped off his clothes in Matthew chapter 27, as they ridiculed him in Luke chapter 23, as they insulted and mocked and made fun of him again in Matthew 27, 44. What's amazing is as part of the humility of the cross, part of the shame of the cross was forcing shame on its victims. But with all of that, that wasn't the worst shame that Jesus experienced on the cross. That wasn't the worst of it. The worst of it could come not by the hands of any soldier, but the worst of the shame came when my sin and your sin, my shame and your shame, was put upon him on the cross. And because of it, God turned his face away from his boy. despising the shame. You know what's amazing about Jesus? What does he know about shame? He knows all of our shame. And he was shamed so that he can heal you and I in our shame. That's why we stop hiding our shame in wrong places. And we hide it in the right person. We hide it in Jesus. But what does that look like? I'm just going to give you a, a practical illustration of that. And I, I'm a pretty big guy. And I got pretty small children. And you know what happens in the course of life? At different times, they'll, they'll fall off the scooter and they'll scratch a knee. My girls cry for hours. My boy likes the sight of blood. It's just It's weird. You know what will happen at times, and I'm learning this already? They'll go to school and somebody will hurt their feelings, and it hurts really deep. Sometimes my girls especially will come to me after we've had to punish them for something, and they'll come to me in tears 
just filled with shame at what they've done. And do you know what I've made up my mind to do as a dad? I said, every time that happens, I take my big old arms and I wrap it around their tiny little bodies almost to the point where you can't see them anymore. And I wrap my arms around them and I hold them tight. And here are some things I whisper to them. It's going to be okay. Hey, Dad's here. It's, it's going to be okay. Hey, you know, you know Daddy loves you. And, and I'm going to hold on to them until they stop crying. Until the hurt begins to go away. And you know what I mean when I say hide in Jesus? Is to by faith let Him do that to you. Let Him wrap His arms around you. Fall into his chest. Let, let him hold you tight. Let him remind you that, that your father is here. That you're loved. And that everything's going to be okay. And you know what's amazing about our shame? It can't survive in that environment. And so stop hiding your shame in all the wrong places, church. And hide it in the right person. Hide your shame in Jesus. Psalm 103 says this about the Lord. That He is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. I love this. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, the Bible says, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. I ran across a story of a pastor by the name of Lee Strobel. He wrote a book called The Case for Christ. He was an atheist journalist who came to faith in Jesus, and he now pastors. In fact, there was a movie that came out about the book, really good. And he talked about one service, just a baptism service they had at their church. And all the baptismal candidates were sitting out in the audience, and, and here's what he wanted them to do. He handed every one of them a piece of paper. And before they were baptized, he said this, I want you to take a pen, and I want you to write on that piece of paper some of the sins that you have that cause so much guilt and shame in your life. And then what you're going to do is, is you're going to come up here before you're baptized, and they had a wooden cross on the platform. And you're going to take a pen, and you're going to pin that to the cross to be reminded that at the cross, Jesus paid for your sin, and he took your guilt and your shame. And the day after that service, Lee got a letter from a lady. And she kind of shared her story with him. And here's what she wrote. She wrote, I remember my fear. In fact, it was far, it was the worst fear, the most fear I remember in my life. She said, I took a piece of paper, that piece of paper, and I began to write in the tiniest letters I could use this word, abortion. And as soon as I got done writing, she folded it to what seemed a thousand times so that nobody could see it. And she held on to it. She wrote, 
I wanted, I wanted to get up and walk out of the auditorium. I didn't want anyone to know that was me. She said the guilt, the shame, and the fear were that strong. But it was my turn. And she said this, so I walked towards the cross. And I took my piece of paper. I looked around and I quickly pinned it to the cross. And then I was directed to walk over to the pastor to be baptized. And as I walked over to him, she says, he looked me straight in the eyes. And she said, I thought for sure he was going to read this terrible secret that I've kept from everybody so long. She said, but I was reminded of the cross. And she said, I felt as if God was telling me, I love you. It's okay. You've been forgiven. And she said, when I went to the cross, she said, I felt so much love for me, a terrible sinner. And she says, the first time I ever really felt forgiveness and unconditional love, she writes, it was unbelievable. It was indescribable. Isn't it amazing that just being reminded of what Jesus did on the cross, how it can deal a fatal and a final blow to sin? Hey, church, let me ask you a question. What would you write on this piece of paper? What sin in your life has brought you shame that you are still wrestling with today? Hey, what sin that you're presently struggling with brings about the shame? Hey, let me ask you this. What experience, what sin has somebody committed against you has you weighed down in shame? Let me give you three challenges for what you would write on this card. You ready? Number one, if God has forgiven it, you forgive it. If God has forgiven you, you forgive you. That's how we begin to level a fatal and a final blow to shame that continues to linger and seems to be long-lasting. We remember passages like Romans 8, 1 that says this, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, meaning this, that in Christ we are free from shame. Well, maybe you would write on this piece of paper a sin that you, or a shame that you didn't cause but you carry. You carry shame because of something that happened to you, not because of you. And I shared with you that sometimes that's the most tragic shame of all. Hear me if that is you. Don't carry it any longer. Hide in Jesus. Hey, let him wrap his arms around you. Let him bring you close into his chest. 
through his word and through his spirit in your life, let him remind you it's going to be okay. I'm here. I love you. Quit trying to hide that shame in all the wrong places and hide it in the right person. Jesus. And for those of you who experience shame and it's stemming from sin in your life, you know what? The invitation is still the same. Hide in Jesus. But know this. You hide in Him and He's not going to let you to continue. He's not going to let you continue on in your sin. You hide in Him and He is going to bid you come and die to turn from that sin, to restore those relationships and to hide in Him. 1 John 1, 9, that if you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Turn from your sin, hide in Him, and find freedom from shame. Let's pray together, can we? Hey, believer, I don't know what goes on your card. I don't know what you'd write on this little piece of paper. But I know this. That if you're experiencing shame in your life right now, lingering, long-lasting shame, you don't need psychology today to tell you this. It is corrosive and is killing you. And so my invitation for every believer right now is to hide in Jesus. To right now, to stop hiding your shame in all the wrong places and to hide in Jesus this morning. If He's forgiven your past, you forgive you. And hide your shame in Him. If your shame is because something happened to you, share your story with Him. Share your story with others. Hide in Him. And let Him bring healing to your shame. And if you're in sin right now, believer, if the sin you would write on this card is something you're going through right now, listen to me. A side effect of that sin is going to be shame. Repent and turn from that sin. Turn to Jesus and hide in Him. And so for every believer right now, here's what I want you to do. In your heart, I want you to begin to have a conversation with God. And let Him in on what you would write on this piece of paper. Confess it to Him. Now, His Spirit may want you to take some action. You be careful to do that. But hide in Jesus right now. And maybe pray over and over again in your heart. God, would you free me from my shame? God, would you free me from my shame? God, would you free me from my shame? And as believers are praying all across the room, I I can't help but think that there's maybe somebody here 
who's never placed your faith and trust in Jesus. As I want you to hear me, the good news of the gospel is he died not just for your shame, but for your sin and your guilt. He shed his blood to cover you. That everlasting life doesn't come from a tree in a garden. It comes through the cross of Christ and the empty tomb. And today, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, he can save you. And if you're here and you don't know him, why not right now in this moment, cry out from your heart to his to save you. Maybe pray something like this from your heart to God. Dear God, I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me. Please save me. I place my faith and my trust in you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on a cross for me. Thank you for rising again. I give you my life. Help me turn from my sin and myself. Jesus, I'm yours. And without anybody looking in our band looking away, I'd never embarrass you, come to you. But if you prayed that with me, would you do me one great honor? And would you just look up here real quick? I just want to see your eyes. I won't embarrass you. I won't come to you. But if you prayed that, would you look up here? And I, I'm looking for your eyes. I see you guys. Amen. Somebody else, just keep looking up if you would. Just keep, I'm looking for your eyes. Coming over here on this side. I see you, buddy. I see you, man. Keep looking up here, would you? And for the several of you who are looking up at me, I'm going to ask one step. See that number on the screen? See that 865-344 number? Text your name to that number, would you? Just, just text it out to that number. And here's why. Man, sometime in the next day or so, I just want to call and pray with you. Call and pray with you. Send you a brand new study Bible. Man, we've got just for you and to help you take your next step. And so you can text that number, your name. You could go to infocc.org and you can click on that tab. Today I place my faith and trust in Jesus and that name will come to me. And I'm just going to call you up and pray with you. Get your Bible, help you take your next step. How we celebrate what God's doing in your life, all right? God bless you, God bless you. Hey, church, can I have you just kind of look up here as we get ready to send you out today? I want to sing us out. Not me personally, because you'll leave earlier, but our team. But I'm going to send you out those doors knowing that a final and fatal blow has been dealt your shame because of Jesus. And I'm not sending you out so that you can live in shame forevermore, but that you can be free from shame. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.